BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. Also find us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel, getting close to 25,000 subscribers. And there you can find content on the other teams in town. Also make sure that you check out Off the Floor. That's our new Discord service. Thanks for getting us over 200 in the first week. We hit our goal. We want to keep going. we got more channels to add. $2.99 per month. When I tell you that they chat all night, they chat all night. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning because I'm old. And they're chatting. It literally goes all day, all night long. You're not getting that on Twitter. You're getting what Elon wants to give you. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. Get $20 to play. NFL competition is up. Our guy Sean Rochester has put it up. So uh, beat the tracker on that one and win big money. Again, you're betting against others who use it. You're not betting against the book. You're against the app. That's why it is legal. Check it out. Better Edge. That's with an O. BetterEdge.com. Use code 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick, still Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. And after filling in yesterday for me, Alex, and Brady, he got his own turn in Charlotte, Greg Sylvander, you can follow him at Greg Sylvander. He was at the Miami Heat's sixth consecutive win. They're now seven and four on the season. As we enter play tonight, they're actually third in the Eastern Conference behind Philadelphia and Boston. They are ahead of Milwaukee. They're ahead of Atlanta. They're ahead of Toronto. They're ahead of uh, a bunch of teams we thought they would be ahead of, but many others did not think that they would be ahead of. And they're doing this after a one and four start. They're also doing this without Tyler Hero, which is a discussion for another day and they're doing this without competent point guard play on a consistent basis which is one of the topics we will get into today so greg i'm going to let you have the floor here from the very beginning uh that is our floor plan for some of your observations and then we'll kind of go through some specific topics that i wanted to hit that i don't think you've had a chance to uh as we've uh, alex and i and brady have primarily covered these things on playback and the podcasts over the past couple of days 
Yeah, so I, you know, had the chance to spend, uh, I, I got there early, unfortunately missed shoot around, which sucked for me, but that's a conversation, like you say, for another episode, but did arrive at the arena super early and just had the chance to kind of hang out um, in the tunnel and also near the bench, just to watch kind of the action around the guys. I have to be honest, when I was around the team last year, the vibe was just off and I, I could feel it. It was like, you could feel it in the air. And so what I was really interested to, to, to kind of get a pulse check on is, is that same energy still surrounding this team, especially with the way the summer went, the way the fans have been uh, restless, irritable and discontent we'll say. And you know what? Like this team is not in that place. And I don't know if the five game win streak helps that, but a couple things that I thought really stood out to me was first off, uh, Bam, Duncan, and Hawkes all spent a ton of time working with the coaches before the, the game started. And the first big one that jumped out was Duncan Robinson is a different player now. He is the guy that they signed initially. He is more of a leader. Uh, I would say even vocally, uh, the other shooters, the other aspiring shooters on the roster. And I think this could have to do with the fact that Duncan and Wayne Ellington had some crossover in their time in Miami. And now Wayne is the coach and maybe there's a, what right looks like. And they point to Duncan in a lot of ways. Max is not there to also be an example, but it really stuck out to me how Duncan Robinson appears very secure in his role, and that's helpful for him. I think that he's a guy that probably thrives when he knows what is going to be expected from him every single night. Uh, he knows he's going to play, that kind of stuff. That jumped out at me. Uh, and just the way that they were paying really close attention to detail, I noticed often that they were sitting um, – the the trap stuff that was happening late in the game that they went to – all that stuff was talk pregame. Like you could see that they were very much honed in on, on those types of details. And early in the season to have a group that's that paying that close attention to detail, because it wasn't just coaches sitting there. That's what they're paid to do. They were communicating it to the players. You could see that the players were engaged, open-minded. Uh, you saw guys like K love out there, Jay rich. So you have veterans that are buying into that style of really getting um, involved and, so to me, this team is in a much better headspace than I've seen it in quite some time. Uh, and I think that that's good. Maybe it's just a five now six game winning streak that that led some of that. But to me, I think it was a complete flip from the energy I felt around the team when they visited Charlotte late last year. Well, that's always a question. Does winning lead to chemistry or is it the reverse, right? Um, it's usually a little bit of both. I, I'm glad you mentioned Duncan because – he is one of the the five sort of big stories of the early season. And I don't want to overlook it because we're going to end up talking about kind of the new thing in town in a second. Um, but in a way, Duncan is the new thing in town. And you mentioned he's more like the guy they signed. Actually, he's better than the guy they signed because what he's doing now is more sustainable than what he was doing before. Even the most elite shooters in the world of which he has been and particularly was uh, prior to the signing. That comes and goes. The other stuff he's doing, the skills that he's displaying, those don't come and go. Like I, the fact that he can get into the paint now, the fact that he can make more plays for others. You, I know you, you mentioned on our Discord feed about how you caught up with him in the tunnel afterwards and mentioned that he's driving three times as much as he did before. He didn't know the number, but he assumed it was more. 
that is sustainable stuff. Like he's, he it's said, not that he's it's doing not it by accident. That was also it's I was not speaking. by accident, right? Yeah. Th- th- this, this, he's just, he's more of a basketball player now, and that stuff translates. And I think what you are seeing now, and again, we'll get to the rookie in a second because of how impressive he's been, is they just kind of have guys they can plug and play anywhere and they have swiss army knife types and we haven't even seen the one they were counting on to be uh the most like that which is caleb martin and i and i do think as long as caleb's healthy he's he's going to remind people pretty quick of what he provided last season so it just gives spo so many different options we were talking about closing lineups uh well obviously bam and jimmy are going to be in there now without tyler it's a little bit different here, but I mean, you can close with Highsmith. You can close with Caleb. You can close with Hawkes. He's he's finished with Hawkes the last 12 minutes each of the past four games. And there are times you can close with Kyle, not every situation. And again, we'll talk about him more in a second. So they have seven, eight different options. And that is really what it's about. That's what I'm always told, you know, by their high level people. It's not who starts. We want to give Spolstra six or seven guys he can close with five that he feels comfortable with every night and a couple of others that he can go to in certain situations. They have that. Uh, they, they certainly will have it when Tyler comes back, but they have that now because Duncan was not a player they could close with at times over the past couple of years. Haywood Highsmith obviously was not an option to close with Caleb Martin became that option last season. So you're starting to add some of those pieces. And we talked about Josh closing. I know you and I both have concerns about some of the decision-making late in games, but defensively, I thought he did a good job last night, even though he didn't shoot the ball well. So there are, there are more options, and, and it feels to me, and this is going way back, but, you know, like Nolan Richardson used to have these teams at Arkansas where he'd have like 11 guys and it'd be 40 minutes of hell, and you're just rotating in different players. Spoke kind of has a group like that. They're not going to run you off the floor, but they have players who can carry them in spurts. We've Highsmith, in my view, turned the game around with his second quarter last For night. Sure. Kevin oh Love, the previous game turn the game around with his second quarter. And, you know, we haven't really discussed him much and and that will allow them to get to the point where Jimmy can close. So I think that's one of the reasons to be encouraged about this. I know that they're not playing the best level of competition. Look, the big three started nine and eight. Then they won 21 out of 22 and got their stuff together. And that first year with LeBron ended up going to the finals. Obviously we know what happened then. Nobody remembers the fact that during that 21 out of 22 streak, I think they played two teams with winning records. No, nope. Nobody cares. It, they just got their bleep together, right? Like they figured out how to play together, and then they were more uh, battle-tested for when the better opponents started to come up again. So I, I just think that uh, you know this is trending in the right direction. You look at their schedule coming up. You know, Brooklyn, they should have won that first game. Brooklyn's a little healthier now, but they should have won that first game. And really, they should sweep Chicago on the road. I know United Center can be a difficult place to play, but that thing is imploding. We'll get into that more uh, a little bit later in the episode. But before we go to the break here, um, you know, you mentioned Duncan, so we, we can that covers one of them. Bam, again, we're kind of taking him for granted at this stage, but 21-11-4 is just what he does. I mean, that's, that's a standard night, and while anchoring the defense. I want to talk about Jaime, though, a little more. Um, 17 last night. He's now actually seventh in rookie scoring, but sixth in his draft class because Chet Holmgren gets thrown into the the rookie conversation. Um, He's playing more minutes than all but six rookies. uh, Seven, I'm sorry, eight rookies at this stage. Um, He's shooting a higher percentage than most of the guys who are scoring uh, more than him right now. 
He's played all 48 minutes of the past four fourth quarters. He's guarding everybody. Last night, what impressed me was he wasn't even really looking for his offense early. He was creating for others, but you just kind of knew it was going to come. Like we all mm-hmm. played, all of us on the network played him over eight and a half points on prize picks. That was the easiest play ever. You're not going to get that play much longer. Um, I, I, I mean, we've talked about all the accolades and, and, and what, you know, and everything I, I've said, and I've said this now on playback. So I might as well say it here. This there are there are people in this organization who have been here for 25 plus years, okay, or have been in and out over that time, who think he's going to be the best rookie since Dwayne. Um, we've talked about that off air a little bit, and and they've had some rookies. I mean, Mario Chalmers started 82 games as a rookie. Beasley was inconsistent, but I mean, he showed flashes during his rookie season. Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson were basically the sixth and seventh most important players on a team that was one win from the Eastern Conference Finals in 2015. Norris Cole was a rotation player on a championship team as a rookie, a backup point guard playing 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes more. Tyler Hero had, and I think that would be the one that Jaime is chasing here, uh, you know, had some tremendous moments, lots of game winners in his rookie season that obviously culminated with, you know, the big moments in the bubble. And Bam did a lot of really good things as a backup to Whiteside and should have been playing more his first season. But I'm telling you, there are people inside the organization who have been there a long time who firmly believe that Hawkes is going to be their best rookie since Dwayne. And and you are starting to see some of it because I felt like with Dwayne's rookie year, people forget the choppy moments in Dwayne's rookie year, but there were pops. And Dwayne was playing out of position. He was playing point guard. Hadn't played that before as a young team, right? There were pops. And then you'd go like another month. And what he did a month earlier, which was a big deal at the time, didn't seem like a big deal because he was doing something better. I kind of felt like that with Hawkins last night. Like it was like, okay, he's done some really good things, but now he scores 17. And we're like, okay, whatever. Um, and, and I feel like there's a 25 game coming at some point. I feel like there's a near triple-double game coming if he gets the minutes at some point. Like I, I, I feel like we're at the tip of the iceberg with him right now. So Spo spoke glowingly of Jaime post game and talked about because he was asked basically about the trust level because he's closing all these damn games and he's a rook. And he immediately said, hey, it doesn't really have much. And I'm paraphrasing here. It doesn't have much to do with the coaches trusting him. All those veterans trust him to play right off the bat. Uh, The other thing with this team, and it leads into Jaime and his disposition is that They appear to be a group that are not taking themselves too seriously, but are all about business. So it's not like a, like a real jokey, laughy group. I've seen that type of heat team before come uh, out on the road, but it's also not a group that's like uh, so locked in that they're uh, like, there's a scowl on everyone's face. Jaime is perfect in that balance. And also just to have another dude who could do so many different things on the court that's kind of Spolstra's point is to have as many of these types of players as possible for him to go to. And you're right. It does seem like now it's not that each piece is exactly the same that is behind. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, human beings as pieces on a team. So bear with me here, but it's not that they're all exactly the same types of players, but you can 
switch around the combinations and you get to a winning combination is what it seems like. They're interchangeable in a different kind of way than maybe they've been before. And that's all Jaime Jaquez. And the fact that he has the scoring chops that he does and the defensive anticipation to be in the right spot, he, I mean, he does not look like a rookie on defense specifically. And I think that a lot of guys come into the league and probably pop on offense before they pop on defense as rookies. Like it's different to be a consistent defender as a rookie and to understand what you need to do as, you know, to be that young and to be in the right spots. Just think about what that means for him going forward, particularly if he gets playoff, uh, you know, uh, playoff experience down the road. So I, to me, there were others in the arena last night that I talked to that were putting a cap on Jaime. Uh, one comment that was made, not by anyone who's with the Heat, said he'll be great, but he's not an All Star. I don't know if we're if it if the right thing to do is to put any kind of. We're not going to say no ceiling, but I don't think putting a ceiling on Jaime Jaquez right now is a smart thing to do. Well, I I, I think that. The best way to characterize him is, and, and others in the organization have said this, he's just a player. Like, I, that that's the thing. Like, he's just a player. You can put him out there, like you said, with pretty much anybody, and he's going to fit in. I don't know that most people thought Bam Adebayo was an all-star in his first or second year or was going to project to that. Certainly, people did not project Jimmy Butler to be an all-star when he didn't start a game as a rookie um, and was the 30th overall pick. So, you know, again, the, these projections are complicated. I, I think some of us projected more for Josh in his career at the time than maybe he came, even though he was the 40th overall pick. And, and now we know Josh is, you know, kind of a valued role player. That's where he's sort of fit in in the NBA. I, I think Jaime, Jaime has a little bit more upside than that, honestly. But again, it's early. Nobody saw Caleb Martin as a potential Eastern Conference Finals MVP candidate either when he was a two-way contract and couldn't find the team. So I, I, I just, when I look at Hakez, I, I say they, they change their trajectory somewhat with him, and they consider him to be part of the core long term. Yeah, he is not going to be traded. I can, no. I, I'm, after conversations I've had, I would be stunned. And I think that there are a lot of teams that are regret him. There are Laker fans who uh, they had an opportunity to take Hakez, and uh, and they didn't. There are other teams that are looking at him and like the Heat did it again. Uh, some of the heat doing it again is because other teams don't do it that, that, you know, players fall to them. Now the heat have made mistakes, you know, Maxi and precious is one we'll talk about for a long time. Precious obviously became Lowry, um, you know, Booker and Winslow, et cetera. But when they have had an opportunity to take a guy that maybe was projected to go a little bit lower and he ends up being better than people thought they have done that now with bam, they've done it with Tyler and they've done it with Hakez and Jovic is kind of is again an open question right now that I don't think we're going to get answered this season. All right, when we come back I do want to get into a couple more quick topics here and I also want to allow uh, uh Greg to get in on the Chicago conversation cuz he couldn't yesterday but before we do I want to mention our friends Michael Robert their team over at Water Cleanup of Florida. You can find them at WCUFL.com. That's WCUFL.com. You got water damage, mold damage, any kind of damage to your house. They will take care of it. They're just great people. They're based in Boca. They got more than 70 five-star reviews on Google. They service the entire area, though, when they're needed cleanup. 
on the West Coast after a natural disaster. They were out there, too. The best thing about them is if they can't do the job, they'll tell you. There are so many dishonest contractors. This is not them. Reach out to Water Cleanup of Florida, WCUFL.com, WCUFL.com. If you've got the schmutz, they got the guts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. I want to appreciate. I want to say we appreciate everybody joining us on live podcast last night. We are going to start doing more of those where we originate them on the YouTube channel. We did them all last season. We were a little burnt out by it. Um, we wanted to try to kind of clean up the for- podcast format. We're still in progress on that on the games, but we are going to start doing some occasional road games, uh, maybe even uh, as soon as Monday. So we'll let you know on that. So you can catch it on the YouTube channel first, or of course it's going to post to the YouTube channel and to the podcast feeds. All right. Uh, a couple more things I want to just touch on here. I mean, Haywood Highsmith, there's really nothing else to say other than they're six and zero when he starts. I think that just, that sums it up. That second quarter last night was tremendous. Um, we misjudged his upside. I think, I, I don't think we viewed him as somebody who was going to be this, even though when we started to see it last year, we were like, okay, he should be playing more. And then we all kind of thought he could be a starter at some point this season, but it has worked out, I think better than even we anticipated. I mean, suppose he's basically, they've just got a bundle of heat culture and one guy and uh, you know, <laughs> he'll probably be here for the next 10 years and end up with a job in the organization. Uh, but I want to hit on two other topics before we go. They got no points from their point guards last night. I think 16 minutes between Lowry and Drew Smith. I, I guess you could throw in Josh as a point guard there. I, I will just say I, I don't think it's probably ever happened in Heat history. I was not going to go back through basketball reference and try to find it. I don't think it's ever happened where the top two point guards on the Heat in a given game did not produce a point. I mean, Kyle had three fouls within the first two and a half minutes. It comes back to this. He just plays better when he's not playing in that starting lineup with Jimmy. I, I, that's the thing. That's been the weirdest thing is they don't, they, they, they don't make each other better. And we thought that they would, but Kyle was coming off two 17 point games and a rest day. 
are are we gonna are we gonna just attribute this to the foul trouble just got him out of sorts? I mean, is this sustainable that you could get no scoring at all from no production, zero from your point guard position offensively? Hell no. And I, I think everyone knows that, that it's not sustainable. I mean, I I'm personally and I know that this team pulls rabbits out of hats and I'm the one who cheers them on the most and tries to brag about them pulling the rabbits out of the hats the most just to get through an 82 game schedule like this. It feels like you're going to exhaust those that are most important to the long term, uh, the marathon I'll call it. And that's getting through May and June. You know what I mean? Like you're going to really run those guys down because a lot of the creation stuff comes from the top of the roster. If it doesn't come from uh, a guard like that. And when I say creation, I don't mean just scoring. I mean, just getting them organized. There were moments when they went big late against Charlotte where Josh was kind of the guy out there to organize them. Jimmy wasn't even out there. Uh, and they kind of look best when Bam grabbed it off the board and brought it up, frankly. And like that, I just don't know that you can go all season without bringing in some player. And I don't want to get caught up in position. So maybe it doesn't have to look like a point guard. I think eventually they're going to have to cash in. And everyone's going to think I'm just hating here, but it's not the case. Lowry's expiring contract to bring in just a player that can from a day in day out basis do more defensively for them, even if they're not a great scorer, just somebody who um, would be a plus defender hit open shots. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I personally think that they have to figure something out, but they're proving that they probably have the luxury of waiting until the trade deadline for now, because even though Tyler's gone out and we wondered what the hell they were going to do. They've continued to win. We'll see if that continues, but like they are buying themselves time to evaluate and figure out which way they want to go. We that de- we definitely got to give them that credit so far. Is any guy that they bring in is going to have to be worth giving minutes to over some of these wings they have. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's the other conversation that has to be had because, you know, if we're talking about cutting Lowry's minutes, particularly when Hero comes back and when Caleb is back, okay, then if you're going to bring in a point guard for Lowry who you're going to entrust to play 25-plus regularly, then those minutes are going to come from Hawkes, from Duncan, from Highsmith, from Martin, et cetera. And so that's, you know, right now they sort of have the luxury, it's not a luxury necessarily uh, in, in the big picture, but of having Tyler and Caleb out so that the guys who are available can get these kind of minutes and then again, when Kyle has a game like that, then they can fill in for him. But at some point, you would think the roster may be a little bit more full. And then so if you're bringing in somebody, he's got to be somebody that's 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 a plus. I, to me, the single biggest thing is this. It's not the scoring, but it's it's the defensive side of this. I and mean, then the Heat have rounded into a pretty good defensive team already. But, you know, you see last night, it's like, again, they can't put Kyle on LaMelo. Mm-hmm. So they have to start Highsmith on him, who was miraculous in his performance. LaMelo always struggles against the Heat, but he, I mean, Highsmith had him in jail. And, but, you know, and, but so you can't put him on. And then so you've got him basically guarding down in the paint. Like you're, you're putting your six foot point guard in the paint. And then there were three times where PJ Washington flashes out for threes. And Lowry's, at least two of those times, was the guy who was supposed to trail him. And doesn't get out there, and I that that's more of the issue. Like if they just had somebody that they could trust to do yeah. the core level point guard things defensively at this stage, 
then it wouldn't be as big of a deal with the scoring because they, they have enough guys who can provide these pockets of scoring. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it looked better in those two games, but it always looks better when Jimmy's not playing uh, for, for Kyle. And that is, it's going to be, when we look back at the Kyle era here, we're going to be like, Jimmy wanted him. They went and got him for Jimmy. They played together with the team USA. They have this great relationship. They have not made each other better in any significant way uh, since Kyle's been here. And that, that has been weird. All right. The last thing before we close, um, and again, thanks to our sponsors, water cleanup of Florida, better edge use code five RSN um, Chicago. Uh, obviously we, we did like an hour long playback on this yesterday and everybody flocks to our trans transaction stuff. Uh, my, my thought is this, I don't think they're going to be on uh, in on Zach Levine in any significant way. Um, I think again, you're looking at, at 40 million and more per year for four years for a guy who's about Beal's age, but came in at 19 has had some knee issues has honestly had some, a lot of defensive issues, um, clearly he can score. He can go get a bucket. He can play make. We know all that. I think that the heat's interest would be more in the rest of the breakup. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Caruso, every team in the league is going to want, certainly, you know, there would be interest there, but even a Javon Carter, like I, I, I looked, if the bulls are really going to blow this thing up, which is what they should do if they're dealing Levine, because they should not resign to Rose. And it makes no sense. I mean, just go, start from scratch. It didn't work when Lonzo got hurt. It was pretty much over with uh, for that core. They're probably going to fire Billy. I would guess. I mean, I, again, they're, they're a big market team that, that hasn't really acted like it. Um, Caruso, if you were to say either, it would be more likely on Caruso than Levine, right? For sure. I think that, yeah. and to your point, like, and I don't know if this is an NBA Twitter thing, maybe, um, some NBA executive out there will eventually clarify what Caruso's worth, but some people think he's going to be traded for, uh, a $9 million player, which that's just the matching salary part. And then two first round draft picks, which I find to be a rich deal for Caruso. But the point is, is that there's going to be a lot of competition for him. They never uh, figured out a long-term deal with Patrick Williams, who I think is also a defensive minded player who hasn't really found his way offensively that maybe a team could take a chance on. He's in the last year of 9.8 million before he's, obviously going to be looking to get an extension of some kind. Uh, I don't see much value in Vooch. DeMar DeRozan, obviously, like, there's there's a world where you tell me that Jimmy and Kyle and DeRozan are all together playing because they know each other, but are we really doing this right now? I, I don't see it. Fit. Correct. And, and it, I love DeMar, but he's just such a bad fit, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's just not the type of gamble that – um, makes enough basketball sense to to do. And here's the last part of it as we get to Zach Levine. Uh, and Javon Carter is an interesting name. So as they do break things up, if they were to trade, like let's say you take a chance on, like you can't get in the Caruso sweepstakes, but you can take a chance on Patrick Williams and Javon Carter. Like there's stuff like that around the edges that I think is interesting to think about. And there's probably other guys on that roster. Torrey Craig, I think, got signed there. Um, but Zach Levine, $40 million is what he's earning this year. Tyler Hero earns $27 million. You are not convincing me. No, no human who speaks to me or types to me on any social media platform is convincing me he's $13 million better. They're just not. And I, that's where I come down on 
I believe that not, any... not, with the, not with the age difference. And if we're going to argue, if we're going to argue also that that hero is injury prone, which I've had my arguments against that, because again, so many of this has been freak things. Levine has had like a chronic knee thing. Like that's a that's more of a concern to me than hell yeah. Tyler stepping on an ankle or diving for a loose ball and breaking his hand. Like I that that's it's just calling it's Tyler injury prone is bullshit in my opinion. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, the whole, the whole, this is what the whole name thing gets you. And I, I, I like Zach Levine as a player. I give him credit for turning from, you know, a dunker when he came in. I mean, really young player in Wiggins shadow in Minnesota becoming a, a couple of seasons. He's been over 40% from three on pretty high volume. So I give him credit for that. He's never been the defender that he was supposed to be. And I know everybody says, well, the heat fix everybody. Okay. Maybe. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I there's just seems to have, he he doesn't seem to me like the guy to go get and invest that kind of money in. Uh, Caruso is the guy that I, I think helps them the most, honestly. Yeah. But do you flip Caleb Martin and a yeah. pick for Caruso if Absolutely. you're not planning on re-signing Caleb? Absolutely. If that becomes a talking point, I am like, let's just say you could go down this road where it's Caleb Martin, Nikola Jovich, and let's say you have to sacrifice a pick, but you get Caruso to really fortify the 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 backcourt. I could see that you could talk me into that kind of thing. Um, the Zach Levine part of it, I'm just I, I I don't see anywhere that that makes sense at all. But the the Caruso part, that's probably the one player uh, that would help the Heat the most in all of this. Uh, and I lost my train of thought. So back to you. Well, I'll bring the train of thought back here. For everybody who wants names, the Clippers are 0-6 since they traded for James Harden. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. <laughs>